Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are occasional bonus downloads where my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I, get to hang out at the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast campsite and spend some time talking with other friends and writers who also love the Western genre. With me for this edition is a talented scribe of both fiction and nonfiction, Thomas Rizzo. Tom's one of the most passionate and hardworking Joes in today's community of Western writers. From his website, TomRizzo.com, Tom offers a multitude of stories. I've been a subscriber to Tom's newsletter for many years and enjoy his quick snippets of forgotten history first thing every morning. Tom has four nonfiction titles available and one novel, Last Stand at Bitter Creek. It's about a burned-out Union Army spy by the name of Grant Bonner who wants to get back to civilian life and resume his career after the Civil War. I was happy our schedules worked together today so Tom and I could catch up. Thanks for raining in at the virtual campfire under the stars for some hot coffee and yarn spinning. Hi, Richard. Glad to be here. You write Western fiction, but I know you also offer your readers a big helping of history, especially in your newsletter and social media posts. My question for you right off the bat is, do you consider yourself a historian or a storyteller? I prefer storyteller. I think all of us who write to some extent are historians, whether it be about a time or place, person, event, whatever. Most of us could be considered amateur historians rather than pure historians who analyze, interpret, that kind of thing. Sometimes I like to think of it as the, the term explorer, because writing involves exploring so many unknowns, the unfamiliar, whether it's about behavior between characters, how they react to events, how they react to danger or love or whatever, because we're always exploring, at least in my opinion. I really like that term explorer. That's cool. And can you think of anything just off the top of your head that you have learned, you know, something that you never would have learned in school or something you never would have learned except through your writing? Oh, wow. Learning is, a, that's a great word. I put it on the par of exploring because we're always learning. It's kind of funny when I wrote my novel, I had to figure out how much time it took for this character to ride from one city to another. And along the way, did they stay at a hotel in a particular town, what that hotel was like what they ate, what was life back then in the 19th century and, you know, 1870 or whatever. And right. uh, that was kind of a learning experience. Found out how fast a horse can go, that kind of thing. What bedrooms were like in a hotel setting, you know, what somebody went down and ate, that kind of thing. And I learned about stuff like that. But I think when you're writing about historical issues, you are always learning something you really don't know about. And you've got to figure out how to communicate that rather than today. Today, we pick up a telephone or get on the Internet. I agree. You know, there's always stuff that we kind of take for granted. Maybe like me, you may have watched a lot of Western movies and TV shows and you just kind of take things for granted, like get on the horse and he rides and they do a quick edit and he's in the town and you think, well, yeah. how long did that actually take him? Right. Like you said. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you've written one novel and you told me that you're working on your second novel, several nonfiction books out. So which is your favorite to write? Nonfiction, fiction? What's your favorite that you've done so far? Well, I like them both. I enjoy writing nonfiction. At the same time, um, I loved writing the novel. I'm probably about three quarters through the second novel, but writing a novel is difficult. It's hard. It's a focus. It's just completely different. You, you talk about a lot of people, you know, using your imagination when you write, and that's true. But at the same time, when you're writing about the West, for example, there are certain truths and parameters that you got to follow. You just can't use your imagination to make all the stuff some people do. I prefer to right. ground myself in some reality, whether about how many bullets can be shot out of a gun or, or whatever. Draw down on Main Street. Rarely happen, if at all. Maybe once or twice. But you have to incorporate that 
into the writing somehow. I remember uh, a scene in a Roy Rogers movie where Pat Brady is on the stagecoach and he's got his gun in the air and he shoots and he shoots and he shoots. You know, he shoots several times and female character sitting beside him says, is that a six shooter? And he says, no, it's a 16 shooter. (laughs) That's the kind of thing you got to watch out for in a novel, right? You You do. You really do. (laughs) So that that kind of makes me think... did you grow up reading Western fiction and, and history and enjoying the, the Western TV shows and movies, or is this something yeah. that you just picked up? Well, I really got interested in history during high school. My dad read a lot. He, he'd have three books going at the same time, of two or three newspapers, and his face was always buried in some kind of a, a reading material. But when I was in high school, I, I kind of got the bug on history. I was fascinated by the uh, old people and events I read about. Granted, I think history at that well, I don't think I know the history at that time, uh, history books, history articles, whatever, were pretty dry. But I was able to look beyond that and realize, God, this stuff is grounded in adventure and discovery. So then I discovered, after reading the actual history, I discovered fiction. When we talked earlier, what I first read as far as authors and the names that came to mind, Frank O'Rourke, he also, I think, went by the name of Frank O'Malley wrote some stuff called Gun Hand, Ride West, Thunder in the Sun. Love the titles. And at one time, I do remember a paperback I had, and right below his name, it said King of Western Writers. So I thought that was a pretty credible title. <laughs> right. <laughs> then there was the, uh, you know, Max Brand, who, uh, Frederick Schiller Faust, I think was his name. He wrote dozens of books. One I vaguely remember at the time reading was The Killers. That was about it. I mean, it, and then, of course, Luke Short, who I later found out was the name of an infamous Old West gunman. And he wrote, you know, Ramrod, Ambush, uh, a lot of short stories, I understand. And, yeah, he was the, he was the predecessor to uh, to Lou Lamore at, at Bantam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All the paperbacks, yeah. Paperback. Yeah, all those paperbacks, you know, that's, it's great you to, you, to hear about your, your dad reading, um, you know, I think. So many of us, you know, who got into this had a father, a grandfather, somebody who introduced us to that or maybe you know, where we live. Where did you grow up? Grew up in Ohio, a place called Marion, the home of President Harding, actually. Oh, okay. Stayed there till I was out of high school and went to the Air Force and spent about four years in England, actually. I was surprised at how much interest in Westerns there were among uh, the British. And later I found out there's a lot of good writers there, too. Did you find a lot of paperbacks or books, just new stories over there? No, I obviously I kept reading over there, but never, never really started writing anything that much over there. A few short stories, which I never published, just wrote them on my own. One thing about England I enjoyed was the old bookstores. I mean... You talk about the old traditional dust-covered bookstores. Well, they had them. And I'd get lost in those places. It was great. I can imagine. Do you still have some of those books that you found in England? You know what I had when, in fact, I was looking for it the other day. When I got to England, suddenly I remember a guy by the name of Ian Fleming. (laughs) They had just come out with a movie called Dr. No. That was about 62, (laughs) 63 or something. Uh And when I went in the bookstore, I eventually found a set of all his books, all paperback, great covers, and found out that when they made the movies, they changed a lot of the, of the books into more contemporary stuff. But I kept those with me since they 63, 64, and I brought them with me everywhere I traveled. And I'd lived all over the country for a while, and I can't find them. I don't oh, know what I did wow. with them. They were around oh, here wow. somewhere, I'm sure, but they were great. Back then, as you know, paperback covers, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Whether they were mysteries or westerns or whatever. Great artwork. Before we started the recording, we talked about your email newsletter and your regular column 
How do you decide who to write about? There are so many iconic characters like Wild Bill Hickok or Custer, Butch Cassidy, Billy the Kid. These characters can be read about in about any magazine or there's a million books on them. Your column tends to specialize or focus on maybe some lesser known characters. I wonder how you find them and how you decide who to write about. Obviously, I do a lot of the research. We've got a fairly good library here, but not much. But I use the internet a lot. I always try to find those often characters. In the beginning, and today, I still try to link the story to an actual date. For example, May 4th today, something may have happened on May 4th, 1877, and I try to link those two dates to make it a little more interesting to the reader, but that's not always possible. So I do some searching around. I was always amazed at how many great characters there are that really don't get any recognition. And I remember writing about a guy by the name of George Warren. He was an old miner prospector, and he had shared in, I can't think the name of the mine right now, but he was worth, oh, I don't know how many millions of dollars. And he used to be a bit of a drinker, and he ended up getting in a race in town with a horse. Okay. And he had bet whatever he had on this race that he could beat him. And I think he got ahead of him at the beginning and then obviously lost. The horse beat him, and he lost everything. Later on, he ended up in a saloon, cleaning floors, that kind of thing. In my own mind, I, I see this guy sweeping the floor and asking people to move their feet. And what people don't know, this guy was a multimillionaire. <laughs> lost it on a horse race. You know? Yeah. But things like that. I mean, there's some really great characters. you got to dig a little bit. What I also find out about writing those kinds of stories, boy, it's easy to be wrong because yes. there's so many different stories about the same person. It's really tough to separate the wheat from the shaft, so to speak. I have ended up going back and correcting and rewriting a lot of times. What I like about your column, when it comes in in the morning, I usually get the email first thing in the morning and, and your column will come in and I'll read it or, or at least give it a quick overview before I do anything you know, substantial for the day. And, uh, <laughs> What I what I always enjoy is even when you do write about some character, like recently you had Butch Cassidy figured in piece you wrote, and the character, his buddy, Elza Lay. I really enjoyed that story. There was just a little tidbit or a little information about a character that I had read enough about that I thought I knew something, but I really enjoy that. I think I'd read or either wrote about Elza Lay before, and I really didn't realize he had an association that closely with Butch Cassidy. They hung out, what I say, about a week in that place trying to case the train station. Right. But yeah, he was from MacArthur, Ohio. Something that always surprised me. Some of these guys came out of Ohio, a lot of these outlaws. I don't know why. <laughs> but I guess he turned out he was a best friend of Cassidy. The associations that I never really knew before, that they knew each other, they hung around with each other, whatever. They robbed banks together. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been sending out your email letter? I changed it recently. I've been doing that for about maybe three years. And at first, it just consisted of the blog post about that particular character or event. And recently, probably about two or three months ago, I changed it. I still have the blog post. But then I started adding things that maybe a recommendation for a book, word of the day, a reflection on a saying, perhaps. And, and I've been writing something about the pandemic, how people might be coping with that. Just to give it a little more spice, I guess, than just the blog itself. And I've had some pretty good feedback on that. It seems to be a little more fun to read. Like the other day, I had an article about the world's most expensive coffee, that kind of thing. It worked out well. It's made it more interesting for me, quite frankly. It kind of lets you follow some connections. If you find something yeah. in one story, you can then follow that connection and write about it. And then that can find its way into your novel. You shared with me that you're working on a second novel right now. Can you tell us I something? Am. It's the 
Curse of Blue Moon Canyon is the working title. It's about a character who is about two hours from being hanged, from being convicted of killing two lawmen. And he ends up actually getting involved in an event that helps him save his own life and gain some freedom. And he spends the, his time looking for redemption from his past experiences of belonging to a gang. He's a former Confederate soldier and got involved with one of his associates who formed a gang in the Southwest. And he had gone home and his Confederates at that time couldn't find any work and they were having a tough time. So he ended up going on the outlaw trail to make ends meet. <laughs> <laughs> so then there's all of those things involved, such as a lost treasure and that kind of thing. When will we see that? Hopefully by the end of the year, I'm about three quarters there. I've gone back and changed a few things. And the rewriting is the toughest part of this stuff. You're trying to plug some holes up and trying to find new subplots and twists and that kind of thing. And that's the most difficult part. I do it a little bit different. A lot of people write that and I admire them. They can flush that book out immediately, then go back. And I tend to do it as I go along. And I think that comes from I was in the news business for about 20, 30 years, both print and broadcast, and you edit as you go along. And that's a habit that's never left me. And what it tends to do in terms of writing is kind of slow things down a bit. I wish I could just throw the thing out there, but I'm always editing as I go along. It's a habit. I think a lot of writers do kind of cycle through. You know, you write a, you write a few paragraphs, you go back, you read, you write another couple pages, you go back, you read through. And yeah. it does allow you to see any loose ends or catch anything that's kind of a stray thing. Do you ever put together an outline for a whole book or do you just avoid that outline and like start at the beginning and write? Yeah, I do. When I wrote Last Stand at Bitter Creek, I did kind of a loose outline, which, as you probably had the same experience, the chapters never fall like you plan them to. But I had kind of uh, basic working titles for each chapter and kind of an idea where I wanted to go. Nothing involved. I mean, I've seen some outlines which blow me away. They're so involved, 20, 30 pages on one chapter. And I, and I just I can't do that. I know this may be kind of weird, but I like to be surprised myself. Oh, I, I agree. What's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't okay. think that's weird at all. Okay, good. Yeah, in fact, several writers, I know that uh, Dean Wesley Smith has said that if you know what's going to happen at the end of the book, then there's a chance that the reader might know what's going to happen at the end of the book because you unconsciously yeah. tip them off. Oh, that's if you don't point. know what's going to happen, <laughs> then there's no way the reader knows what's going to happen. And that's a good thing. Yeah, so, that is a good thing. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Speaking of, of Western writers, are there any Western writers or just any any writers at all that you read right now that you really like that you say, oh, well, this is somebody I really like? Yeah, I've been going back rereading a lot of Garbing New. You know, I ran across, I used to, a few years ago, I ran, in fact, you were a guest, I ran a, a a, a plot or a, a blog called Storyteller 7. I'd ask seven questions of writers, and you were involved in that. I remember that, and, yeah. But one of the guys who I uh, who died uh, a few years ago, Jory Sherman. You remember him? Yes, sure. Uh, a fantastic writer. I mean, when I interviewed him, I'd read a couple things by him, but then I went back after it, and I remember I grabbed it. I think it was a short story collection called Shadows of Yesteryear. And one of the stories, I remember I wrote it down. In fact, I'll read it. It says, quote, The pale yellow sun wobbled behind the dust as if temporarily blinded after the heat waves vanished like ghostly waterfalls in the sudden hush. I wow. thought, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> it's come from a short story called Destiny's Gun. Wow. And he was just a beautiful writer. And we had communicated over the years before he died by email about, I'd write something and he'd write me and say he really liked it. And this is what, and a lot of encouragement. Kind of thing. He was just a great guy, but 
enjoyed him. I enjoyed anybody in our profession today, even uh, our contemporary writers, members of uh, WWA and Western Fictioneers, uh, Dusty Richards, who recently passed away, any of those guys. I mean, they're just great writers. And I, and I can remember going back and rereading Alan Lomay, The, the Searchers and The Unforgiven, uh, some stuff by Elmer Leonard, Elmore Leonard, rather. Uh, and Dorothy Johnson, a man who shot Liberty Balance. And I just, they're, they're great. I look at some of the stuff today, and I mean, I've seen some of the, I couldn't finish it. I've started a couple recent so called Western movies that were produced in the past couple of years, and with the Hateful Eight, that kind of thing, and really didn't uh, get a feel for the Old West. <laughs> Somehow, I guess there's a place for that, but uh, I'm, I'm more traditional in terms of, you know, Westerns, but Elmer Keaton's another great, great writer. Oh yeah, yeah. You know those old, those older writers. There, there's so much you can learn by going back and reading, and just and and as you did with uh, with Jory Sherman there, just to sit down and read uh, a paragraph or, or really kind of dissect what they were doing there. And, oh gosh. Uh, and and then and then the joy of discovering a new writer. Uh, or contemporary that does, that's doing that, and you can, you know, we I think that's what Western Fictioneers and and WWA both are about is is learning from each other. And I I don't know, but in my experience, in both organizations, there are so many folks who are willing and, and generous generous folks who are willing to share their experience and their writing uh, and their knowledge of writing and their knowledge of the business, um, just much more so than any other genre. Uh, group that I've been involved with. You know, that's a great observation because I can remember uh, the writer Dusty Richards, uh, before he died, we used to exchange emails and, and he was, the, the stuff he came up with, I mean, the advice he offered and this, and it was very generous to share and I just used to blow me away, you know, any of them, and you're right, any of them, they're just, they're willing to help if you need help, point you in the right direction. And you don't, I don't think you'd find that in a lot of professions. So I'd like to thank Tom for being a guest on the Six Gun Justice podcast conversation today. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I really enjoyed our conversation and uh, wish you guys all the best. Thanks, Tom. Be sure to check our website, sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time. Keep your six gun tied down and your branding irons hot. Adios.